This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Oh, what a day to be alive, folks. Monday, May 14th, 2018, the Supreme Court voted a 7-2 law bill. I don't know what you call it, that sports betting is legal in all 50 states. That's huge. That's big news. That is gigantic. I love it. Um, If you're unfamiliar, get familiar. So basically, sports betting, sports books, online gambling, you can bet on sports teams, fights, what have you, was only legal in Vegas. And uh, a couple other, like, other uh, states had legislation set in place, but Vegas was the only place legally allowed. Now, myself and other people I know, there was a bunch of offshore um, betting things. There's actual personal bookies um, that would Venmo money and whatnot, and we can get all of that. I don't know how legal it is. I don't know if I should be talking about it. However, today, this morning, it's a great day in America. Make America great again by adding sports betting. Uh, and I love it. I'm from Ohio. I live in Cincinnati, and Cincinnati has, or I'm sorry, Ohio has some legislation set in place. So, um, of all accounts, everything I've read, we're a few months away. Obviously, the state itself is going to make their own laws, but uh, it is legal. I mean, we have a casino already. Kentucky, the same way, they have betting uh, legislation set in place because they have horse racing and whatnot. And uh, to my right, I guess, we have Indiana to the west, and uh, they're the same way. They have a lot of casinos. So all these three states surrounding me, or two states, I should say, are all have legislation set up. So that means daddy can go to a sports book in the future. Some of these bars, some of these casinos, downtown Cincinnati are now going to have a sports book. So sorry, wife, sorry, daughter. I'll be spending my time there. No, but it is a huge deal. I am so excited. I got the news on Twitter um, and I am ecstatic. I think it's long overdue. I remember the first time I went to Vegas. I uh, was the first time I gambled ever. Obviously, um, you know, playing the the bullshit games that you can't win, and then I go and I, I, I wander over to a um, little wall full of odds, and and I sat down. I read a book, literally for thirty minutes, or this little book on what plus and minuses and all these means, and what's overs and blah blah blah. And I said, you know what? I can probably be pretty good at this. There's a, there was a UFC that night. I don't, I can't remember the number. It was, I believe it was a, a fight night. I do remember the. Main event was Bisbing versus Vitor Belfort. It's when Vitor Belfort was juiced to the gills and kicked goddamn Michael Bisbing's head off. I made my first bet as, as a first bet parlay bet. I had a six fight parlay and I put five dollars down. Maybe I, put, I think I put maybe fifteen dollars down. And if I hit all six fights, I was gonna win $2,700. I went five for five for three underdogs I picked. One, and I was going for Bisbing because he was the favorite. He was one of the few favorites I picked. I thought he was going to outpoint Vitor. Little did I know that Vitor Belfort took every steroid there was in Brazil and uh, destroyed Michael Bisbing and and made him permanently blind in his eye. So there you go. But this is huge news. This is big for MMA. This is big for all sports in general. A gambling addict like myself or MMA gambling addict like myself, this is huge. This is huge for my friends. This is huge for everybody. 
You know, I, I tweeted out today. I said, either I'm going to own two houses or I'm going to lose one house. And that's obviously an exaggeration, but I mean, I don't know. But uh, very, very, very exciting, and I can't wait. So obviously we still have some hurdles to go. New Jersey's like a week. They're, they already have machines set up. I mean, they're they're getting ready. They're like a week away from they're, – they were fighting for this to happen for a long time now, so they're, they're very close. So I'll have to wait a little bit longer being in the, the great state of Ohio, but I can't believe it's here. I can't believe it's happening, and I am ecstatic. How to start the show at that. My second follow-up that I start with, we have some UFC 20, 224 talk a little bit later. I'm kind of going to get these. I got three topics. You know, the first one was the sports betting. Second one was the main event for Friday night, Amanda Nunez. Saturday, excuse me, Amanda Nunez versus Raquel Pennington. Pretty one-sided. Um, Raquel Pennington had a broken nose in the fifth round. She told her corner, I'm done. I'm done. Stop the fight. They said, no, no, go out there. You, you know, and they gave her advice and they said, no, no, go out there, blah, blah, blah. And she went out there and ended up losing and getting finished in that, uh, in that fifth round. And um, great effort for Pennington. But the issue came that, you know, odd, you know people heard the, her tell the corner she's done. And they said, no, 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 go back out there. And they pushed her. And then you had every fucking guy, media member, who's never competed a day in his life chime in and, and say that was the worst decision they've ever made. You, have, you had some fighters come in and say, oh, the corner should listen to her vote. And then you had other fighters going, well, I don't, you, that's not really, you know, on the outside looking in, it, it's it, there's a lot of gray area for people who, who don't know and can't experience these things. And the biggest little bitch of them all has been Ariel Hawani, who is all of a sudden the champion of fighters safety and he wants a union. He wants this. He wants that. It's all because he's getting, he was, he got dicked over by the UFC without getting the access and all that stuff like that. He had a tweet storm about this and he had, and he went on an ESPN show today to, and I'm sure he's talking about on his show right now. Um, but I mean, get off your high horse for a minute. You, you've obviously never competed and neither have I. However, the difference is, is I've trained for a long time to become a fighter. And there were several times where it, it, and every relationship is different with your coach. Like me personally, I didn't like to have a drill sergeant yell at me and tell me to do more and do me, do this and everything like that. That didn't work well for me. Positive reinforcement worked well for me. But there were times where I needed to be pushed because I want to quit a draw. I want to quit doing something because I was tired or it was hard. And they said, no, finish it. You know, even though it's the worst thing in the world and I think I'm you injured or I think I could hurt myself, they go push through it. And that was the best thing they could have done for me. No one knows, especially Ariel fucking Hawani doesn't know the relationship Raquel has with her coaches. Okay, she might be she might be like that in the gym. She might be like, I can't do this drill. I'm tired. And that's a way they motivate her to get her to go. Do you really think Errol Hawani not only knows or cares more about Raquel Pennington than her actual corner does? You're out of your fucking mind if you believe that. Okay, it's a title fight. Maybe the only title fight she's ever going to get. Sure, she's losing the first four rounds. Sure, there not, might not be the most ideal situation for her to go out in the fifth. But she wasn't getting dropped and manhandled and beaten the entire time. She had a broken nose, which is obviously very painful. But she wasn't. it wasn't like it was like a brutal beating. Or is she like an old vet retired or ready to be retired fighter. No, she's in her prime and she's getting her shot at the title. I bet you years from now, if they stop the fight, she'll look back on it and go, why did you stop that fight? I can, I'm all for uh, fighter safety. Listen, I want fighters to get paid more and I want them to be safe. But 
there's a relationship between a fighter and a corner. And for someone on the outside, like who's writing an article and going on ESPN and doing all these things saying, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to stick up for Raquel Pennington or, or, or fighters in general. That's not for your decision to make. That was the corner's decision. Raquel Pennington could have went out in that fifth round and tapped on the ground if she really wanted to be out of that fight. But she went out and fought and ended up losing, but she went out there and fought. And I bet you right now she's sitting here reading this media coverage, and I don't want to speak for Raquel or her corner. Maybe her corner is going to come out and say, you know what, that was, that was our bet or not. I doubt it, though, because the corner is there to protect their fighter and to do the best for their fighter. So for someone on the outside who knows nothing about that situation or knows nothing about competing, to put their two cents in is a fucking joke. And to be very opinionated about it, too, the way Ariel Hawani is. I don't have any of his tweets in front of me, but I was reading them and just shaking my head and disagreeing with him. I kind of went a little ghost on social media. I didn't really post much. I was I was super busy with life, so I, I didn't want to do it, and, and I uh, so I did. But I've been I've read everything and then I listened to him this morning on whatever show he went on ESPN and it's just you're not you you're not in that corner you're not in that situation you don't know how Raquel Pennington works you don't know how it is training with her day in and day out if that's what she needs to get going if that's the motivation we don't know that so everybody can chime in but until I hear from Raquel and hear from her corner saying we made a mistake or if Raquel's upset that they let her go back out there then I will I will gladly be on her side because again I'm on the fighter side but for me to to presume that her corner is so terrible for letting her go out there she was losing the fight but she wasn't getting beat up I've heard many of corners push fighters to go back out there. I mean, Rich Franklin broke his thumb or broke it, broke his thumb on one hand. And it was when he said, my hand's broken. They go punch him with the other one. He goes, my arm's broken. When he goes back to the corner against Chuck Liddell and they go hit him with the other one. Right. No one was up in arms when his corner didn't stop that fight. No one was like, why didn't they stop the fight? He had a broken arm. So is this because she's a female that you think she should stop the fight? Are you having the sympathy female vote? Because I, I don't play the gender thing. Raquel Pennington just as tough as any fighter in the UFC, no matter what her gender is, male or female. She's she's a world-class fighter who was in a championship bout, and I stand by her corner keeping her in there because I think she would regret it at the end of the day. So it makes me mad where these corners, or I'm sorry, where these media members who know nothing about competing or really the situation in the corner, I doubt Ariel Hawani knows any of her corners personally or Raquel personally. I'm sure he's interviewed her, but you know, a lot, and, and there's different mentalities. A lot of people go, don't you ever fucking throw that towel. Some guys said that I'm not even going to bring a towel to the ring. Don't you throw that towel and don't you stop this fight. I'm going to be mad at you forever. So again, let's not speculate of what the corner, what Raquel's uh, training methods are and how she needs to get going. Cause her corner cares more about her than we do and her corner knows her way better than we do so let's not try to get on our high horse and act like you're you're the champion for the the you know the underappreciated era because you're not the more and more this guy is just i mean he's just he's he's on i don't hate him but he's starting to get on that list i got a very long list and i can add him to it and the last thing another thing that happened i believe on friday uh, Yair Rodriguez reportedly got released from the UFC because he turned down a fight with uh, Zabip Magomri Shapirov. I butcher that last name. And I agree with this release. I, a lot of people were on the side of Yair. Like, oh, okay, well, why release a guy who is bilingual and has a, you know has all this potential? 
when you don't take fights, when you're a fighter, that's what happens. So his last fight was against Frank Yeager. He had a tough outing. He got stopped. He got a, he busted his orbital, <clears throat> his orbital bone, and uh, he hasn't been seen since for about a year now. Frankie has fought twice since their fight, and he has fought none. There's more to the story than just what is being reported, I guarantee you. His team, it, it, this is my educated guess, his team is looking to put Yair in a position where he's going to be a star because he's a huge star in Latin America. He has a very exciting style. He's very entertaining to watch. He's young. He's good-looking. He's bilingual. All those things are true. But you have to take fights. It's not about your superstar. If you're going to be the best in the world, then you're going to have to fight Zabib no matter what. Was it a Zabib thing? Was it a money thing? That's, that's still to remain to be seen. However, I... A picture his team going, well, we don't really see that's the right fit. They're thinking more of Yair becoming this superstar and the steps to take, right? We need to fight someone like this, this, and this, and avoid another great up-and-comer like Zabib. That's how I view it, right? And it, I mean, it is a loss for the UFC because he is going to be a superstar. He is a tremendous fighter, but really is it? I use this analogy on, on Instagram. I post on Instagram about this. If Tom or Aaron Rodgers decided that he was only going to play on Monday nights, he told the entire NFL, he told his union, like, listen, fuck Sunday, fuck Thursday. I only play on Monday nights. Do you think the Packers are going to keep him? And if they release him, do you really think another team is going to step up and pick him up? No. Where is he going to go? The NFL's the show, everybody. You're not going to get your money. You're not going to get the fame. You're not going to be against the highest quality athletes if you decide not to play the game. The UFC is the show. Now, there are other organizations out there, but who out there besides maybe the Pitbulls that could that is a really hot shot 145-er? You could throw a couple young names out right now, and I'll, and I'll scoff you to the end of the earth, but there's no one. So where is Yair going to go? If Yair wants to become the biggest superstar in the world, you got to do that in the UFC. You can go to Risen in Japan and fight nobodies. You can go to Bellator and fight the very thin 145-pound division over there. Unless you want to move up and maybe get a fight with Benson Henderson. You want to move up to 55. Then I mean, I mean that, that'd be good for like one. But how many times are you going to fight him? You know, Michael Chandler would be a good fight. But how many times are you going to fight him? There's not a ton of depth. The best fighters in the world fight in the UFC. If you want to be the best, if you want to be considered the best, then you fight there. If money was the issue, I'm sure Bellator or Risen or maybe even CES, which, is a, which isn't a huge promotion, but they are a very talented promotion. They have a lot of good fighters. You can go somewhere. My prediction is he'll go somewhere, he'll win a couple fights, and then he'll come back because you the UFC doesn't need you, right? You need the UFC. As big as a star you're going to be in Risen or as big as a star you're going to be in Bellator, you'll be twice as big in the UFC. That's just a fact, Jack. So that's it. That's, those are the three big bullet points I want to talk about. I got them all off my chest. I got a little hot there with the Raquel Pennington thing. I just, you know, uh, I mean, uh, nah, nah. So we'll just jump right into the recap of UFC 224. Pretty good card. I mean, wasn't I wasn't overwhelmed on paper. Um, you know, I'm kind of blacked out for the month of May. I'm just waiting for Darren Hill, Stephen Thompson. I, I'm afraid to get on Twitter thinking something's going to happen to that fight. I'm so excited for that fight. Um, but UFC 24, 
224, excuse me, had 11 finishes. It was a very, very great card. It was very entertaining. Um, I wasn't super psyched about a ton of fights on the card, but besides Kelvin Jacare in, in the main event, but it was fantastic. It looked great. We'll start with Kelvin, who I thought looked great. I thought Kelvin looked great again against another killer at 185. Kelvin has so much confidence, has no fear. He went in there against Jacare, who is a scary guy to fight. I mean, the guy... Jack Ray just knocked out Brunson again, so it's, he's got power. Stand-up isn't the cleanest. And then on the ground, he's just ridiculously strong and powerful, and he's in, in, in it's just he's amazing. Calvin went in there, who's undersized, and, I mean, it was, it was a close fight. It was a split-decision win for Calvin. I thought he looked good all three rounds. I thought... I think Jacare slowed down. I think Kelvin slowed down. I think it was, you know, it was it was what it was. I mean, Kelvin dropped him, I think, in the third round. Obviously, I think that might be stole him the fight. But Jacare is a tough out for anyone. He's a tough matchup for anyone. And Kelvin, I think, is just, he's just, he's right there to be elite. I mean, he's an elite fighter. He's a top five guy. But is he like, is he, is he there yet? I don't know. I think he needs to mature just a little bit. I think he needs to... I don't know if, if it's a cardio issue or what. I, I think 70, obviously, 170 is probably the best place for him. I know that's a big weight cut for him. So I'm like, I'm not a huge weight cutting guy. So I do like him at 85. But with his frame and his height, I, I do think 70 probably fits him better. But he has looked amazing at 85. So why not? The biggest hurdle is for Kelvin to get a title shot or, or I mean, because, I mean, look, I mean, Robert Whitaker, the champion at 185, used to fight at 172. So, um, so who am I to say, right? But the biggest hurdle for Kelvin now is there's a weird lull at uh, 185. So Yoel's getting the next shot. Kelvin's right there, and Chris Ryman's right there. Chris Ryman's injury prone, he's been out. He's had two thumb surgeries. He beat Kelvin. Kelvin looked great in that first round, but Chris's size really wore on Kelvin in that fight. And I think that's why maybe I'm saying 70 might be best for him. He has a close split decision loss over Town and Woody after horribly missing weight for that fight. So <clears throat> I think he could get Woodley. I think 70 is interesting. 70 is probably the, the most stacked division in all of MMA right now in the UFC. So I don't know. But Jacare, I don't know what to do with Kelvin. Kelvin is a mystery to me. But Jacare looked great. He's a tough out. Listen, he's, a, he's he's tough as nails. He's been chinny in the past. Robert Rigger caught him, put him away. He's had a couple other fights where he's been clipped and put away. What do you do with Jacare? You're right. The guy sells out. The guy's still, I want to watch the guy fight. I think he's interesting. I think he's amazing. I think he's a killer. He's a finisher. Chris Wyman is the answer to me. I don't want to see a Chris Wyman Kelvin rematch. I just don't. I don't know why. I just I'm, I'm, I don't want to see it. Kelvin Luke Rocco would be interesting, but uh, Wyman Jacare is a, is a kind of a dream matchup. I've been thinking about for a while. Wyman's a grappler. Jacare is an amazing grappler. And uh, how would they cancel each other on the feet? How would they cancel? I mean, to me, that just there's so many layers that I fight that I find really interesting. I don't know when Wyman's timetable is. I think he he was retweeting a lot of fans saying he deserves the next title shot. Which I wouldn't hate. I mean, if he fights Yoel, if Yoel beats Whitaker, then he's got, you know, history with Yoel because Yoel's beaten him already uh, with that flying knee knockout. And then he's never fought Whitaker yet. That'd be an interesting fight. So there's a lot, there's kind of a weird log jam at 185 because how could you justify Kelvin getting a shot over Wyman when Wyman beat Kelvin? And is Kelvin going to stick at 185 or is he going to jump back and forth? I don't know. So it's kind of a weird division. I haven't really thought about it. Um, I should lay it out. I should lay it out and tell you what exactly what I think, but uh, I'm a little uneducated in that division right now. Who should get the next shot? 
we kind of can see which way it's going to go. Another big thing uh, on that night was Vitor Belfort got his fucking head kicked off his shoulders. Leota Machida with that karate kick, man. I might we might have to you know that that not the karate kick, yes, but also up kick. Um, this is Vitor Belfort's second vict. He's he's the second time he's been knocked out with an up kick viciously. Um, this should be called a retirement kick for Leota Machida. He retired Randy Couture. Looks like he retired Vitor. I know Vitor didn't come out and say I'm retired, but he left his gloves. He made like a big deal about it. Vitor was one of the all-time greats. He had a pretty crazy up-and-down career. I mean, he burst on the scene. He was amazing. Then, you know, he had a whole family thing with the sister going missing and whatnot. Then he really had some lulls. You know, I'm not going to, you know, there's some steroids in there. There's some, but whatever. But, I mean, he was truly was a must-see guy. He was one of the most exciting fighters in all of MMA. Um, and I wish him the best. I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he's going to probably hang out in Florida or California, wherever he lives, with his beautiful wife and uh, right after the sunset. I mean, I think, I think obviously, he'll be in the sport somehow. But I, I don't think he's done. I don't think he will be done. I think he's I think he's fighting again. Final two things, or final three things here for uh, UFC 224. John Lineker, prove me wrong. I I, I put money on Kellen Her. I thought Kellen Her was a dance around. Dance around. He's a really interesting take. I, I believe it was a plus 200 uh, something. It was a good kickback on your money. Kellen Her looked good for the first two rounds, but, you know, I don't know what you're doing, to be honest with you. If you're Kellen Her, I mean, I mean you might have got tired. Some of the body punches and some of the bigger punches might have wore you down. But, what, I mean, what are you doing letting, you know, getting hit like that? And just, he got put out. He got put to sleep by, uh, put to sleep by a huge left hand by John Lineker. John Lineker is one of those guys, like, I don't know what you do with. He's calling for a title shot, but, I mean, I don't know. Him and Cody Garbrandt would be, they were supposed to fight before, and that would be an insane fight. So, I think the loser of Dillashaw Cody fights Lineker. I don't think Lineker, I mean, Lineker, Dom Cruz might be interesting. I think Dom Cruz would kind of just dance circles around him. But I thought the same thing with Kellen Her. Obviously, Kellen Her is not on the same level as Dom Cruz. But Lineker's got that one, you know, he's got that one trick pony, but that's a pretty fucking fancy pony, I tell you. He he catches guys and he's, you know, he's he's tough. And you're not knocking him out. That guy, 135 pounds, I mean, looks like a fucking fire hydrant. Good luck, uh, good luck hurting him. Uh, and the final two things on UFC 224, Dos Santos with the wheel kick over Sean Strickland. Felt really bad watching that. I picked Sean Strickland. Again, he was a slight under. Didn't think Dos Santos had the, the biggest power to finish Strickland, and I was wrong. He landed a pretty nice wheel kick. Kind of got the back of the head, side of the head. Um, got Sean Strickland off of balance. He ended up pouncing and finishing on the ground. That's the way it goes. Strickland is still... Uh, <clears throat> Still a really great talent at 170. And, you know, he only has three losses, professional career. He will be back. Dos Anjos is hot right now. I think you got to give Dos Anjos someone in the top 10. And uh, I, I like this kid. I, I, I think uh, I think he can have some good fights. I think you need to I think you need to test him. I think you need to get him out of Brazil and, and put him on American card and really see what the guy has. And then finally, I got to talk about that old man, Alexi Olenek. Jesus Christ. He... Again, Ezekiel choked somebody. I mean, literally, when you watch this, there's a gif of it. It doesn't even look real. It looks like you can get out of it. Like, how strong is this guy? This guy literally must do that when he sleeps at night. Just grabs that fucking pillow and just... That, that's insane to me. Like, a guy who... Obviously, I'm not a professional fighter or anything. I look at this like, I could get out of that. You know? But he, he choked my head off. I mean, I couldn't get out of it. It's the weirdest thing in MMA. It was like the... Von Vlucho happened a while ago where you put the shoulder in the guy's neck 
and you're just it, it, they don't really see it coming and they're out. That was pretty crazy, but this this Ezekiel choke is nuts. I don't know what he does. He's a one trick pony, but like I said, that's 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 impressive. It's impressive, but it's not impressive, right? Like I'm more embarrassed for Diaper Boy Junior Albini um, because you got you know what this guy has. He has one thing, right? He takes a lot of punishment. He gets cut up. He's got a horrible haircut, and he has the Ezekiel choke. And you let this guy hit the Ezekiel choke on you. I mean, what are you doing? That's it. UFC twenty two twenty four in the books. I take a little drink. I talk. I talk pretty fast, and uh, dry mouth happens. Happens to the best of us. Final two little things here about over the weekend. Lomachenko looked incredible again. What an entertaining fight. Really smart by the boxing community to put that on free TV, ESPN. Because Lomachenko, I think he's a crossover star. I think he's amazing. Good-looking kid, exciting style. Lenars, who I didn't know too much about, was game, man. He was he came in game. He dropped Lomachenko in the sixth. Lomachenko rushed in with his hands down and, and just squared up with him. And, and, and he's a southpaw, so he caught that right hand, got put on his butt. He popped right up. That's the second time he's ever been down in his career, I believe the announcer said, at one time back in 2007. Um, pop right back up and then and was a little timid. I think he might have dropped maybe seven and eight, but came back and, and then was Vintage Lomo moving and then just a brutal liver shot put Lenars down. It was off a sick combination and uh, Lenars can get back up. He did get to his feet, but the ref stopped it. He kind of said, I want to keep going, but I mean, listen, you, you were you were you had some marks on your face, you had some cuts, you took a big liver shot, you got up at like eight. Uh, I'm not gonna question the ref's decision. I mean, he he was there, I wasn't so. Lomachenko, I mean, look great guy. I mean, he's eleven and one, which is insane. And people are calling him the best in the world. Give me Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford is not going to quit. You're not going to hurt Terrence Crawford. He's long, he's lean, and he's tough. That's my pound for pound right now. Is Terrence Bud Crawford, who I don't think a lot of people are talking about. I don't think he's getting these big fights. Manny Pacquiao won't fight him. He's fighting in Nebraska, which I know he's from Nebraska. A lot of fights are there. A lot of people are saying that's why you're not getting these shots. But give me Terrence Crawford, my number one pound for pound. I can't get it. I can't give it to Lomo yet, even though he looked fantastic. And then uh, Ryan Bader destroyed King Mo in like nine seconds, 10 to 19 seconds. I don't know what it was. Left hook, finished on the ground. Bader's looking great in Bellator. But I mean, I mean, B- Bader was always almost right there at, for a title shot at the UFC and just couldn't quite make it. And I mean, I, it's not surprising that he's doing well in Bellator because there's not a, like a ton of talent over there. I mean, King Mo, I've never thought highly of. I mean, Bader's fighting in the heavyweight tournament because they just don't have enough heavyweights. I mean, Chael Sonnen's a middleweight, and he's fighting in the heavyweight tournament. So, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Uh, but he did look good. Good for Ryan Bader. I thought Ryan Bader was always one of the nice guys in the sport. I think he is a uh, – I, I don't root for him. I don't root against him. I think he needs to change his nickname, and uh, he had some horrible tattoos for a while. But uh, I, uh, from Saturday night, he looked like he cleaned those up a little bit. And then the the thing that's funny to me is uh, Paul Daly fought John Fitch. John Fitch, who is uh, on the MMA Takes top five most boring list. And I think I hit the nail on the head with that because, man, did he stink up the joint with Paul Daly. I hear rumbling. Oh, boy. Guy, there's a guy across the street driving a motorcycle. And he literally... Just parks in his driveway, turns the motorcycle on for like a half hour, and then takes it up the street and comes back. I don't, I don't know motorcycles. Maybe that's what you have to do. 
um, to get them started or just so they don't stall out. But you're a fucking idiot. No, quit doing that. Anyway, Paul Daly looked at the camera and was like, uh, you know, because he has some displeasure with Bellator. And it was a really boring fight. Paul Daly had a, had a shot to finish at the end of round one, didn't. And this could go on Paul Daly, too. You could say, oh, well, Paul, why don't you learn how not to wrestle? Why don't you learn how to get up? Blah, blah, blah. But listen, John, you're not going to win any fans. That's, he was booing the fight to the camera. He was saying, oh, Bellator, you want fans, and you're going to put fights on like this. This is what people really want to watch. I thought that was pretty clever. I thought that was nice. I'm, I've always been a kind of a big Paul Daly fan. But also, on the other hand, it's like, you. this is your 40th or 50th MMA fight. Maybe, maybe work on getting up, up, getting up off your back. Just once, Paul. I mean, your takedown offense isn't terrible. You had good hips. But, I mean, sometimes you have to look in the mirror when you uh, when you fight the way that you do. And that's it. That's all the, uh, the that's all that happened this weekend. Action Pack weekend. We got another one this weekend with uh, UFC in Chile. Uh, Santiago, Chile. With, uh, I mean, this card, I was very excited about the main event. Kumar Usman. Who is one of quickly becoming one of my guys? Um, he's taking on Damian Meyer on short notice. What's supposed to be Santiago Ponsonibio, who got hurt. Big fucking surprise. Kamar Usman, he's like he's he's like the Pharrell Williams of MMA. Let me explain. Pharrell Williams is very talented, and he and a lot of people in the industry like you know, he'll, he'll put out a hit. And a lot of people won't respect it, right? They don't list them as their top five, whatever, in the music industry. But people in the industry list Pharrell as a top five, if that makes any sense. Kamar Usman, stylish, fancy, well-spoken, intelligent, smart guy, talented fighter, but he doesn't get enough respect by people who aren't in the fighting game because people at 170 do not want to fight this guy. Believe you me, they do not want to fight Kamar Usman. His stand-up is... Good. It's not great, but he he it's good, but he doesn't have crazy power yet. He's built like a guy that can develop crazy power. The only issue is he's so good at one thing. It's like a pitcher in baseball, right? A pitcher could be a pretty good hitter, but all he does is pitch, so the hitting falls to the backside. You know, it falls. You know, they're not worried about it because like, who cares? You're a pitcher. You're not gonna get up there and rack. You know, start um, hitting home homers. Kamar Usman's so good at grappling and wrestling that the striking and the stand-up's just coming. He's with the right team. He's with the right coaches. I'm telling you, this guy is going to be it if he keeps his head on his shoulders. He's an alpha dog. Reminds me a lot of Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier is the alpha of AKA. He's the mouthpiece for them. Um, and Kamar Usman, I don't really know where he trains. He came from the Black Zillions. I think he... I think they have their own little team down there now. I forget what it's called, but he's trained under Henry Hoof, and this guy's the alpha of that gym. He's a leader, he's vocal, and he's smart, he's talented, and he's going places. Now, with that being said, he's fighting Damian Maya, who's like the litmus test for 170 years, right? Like Damian Maya's been he's he's been there, but he, you know, he's gotten the shot. He's you know, but he's just kind of fallen short. He's dropped two of his last fights, the Woodley and Covington. So now he's stepping in on short notice, which is how is he going to do with that weight cut? He's a big 170. He used to fight most of his career at 185. He's a big guy for 170. So he's coming to Chile. I don't know if he still is in Brazil because then it won't be that much of a travel, but he's fighting the guy that no one wants to fight. He's Kamaru Usman's seventh rank, which only indicates the fact that he hasn't fought anybody. That's the only, that's the only reason he's number seven. But 
Um, I only know the odds of this fight. I'm so unpre- I'm ill prepared. Okay, so the odds haven't fully came out yet on according to the UFC's website, which is what I'm on now. But I can find you the odds because I have the internet. Aren't you impressed? I can't type. I'm sure he is. What what website should pop up? Who should I plug right now? Let's see. Okay, bookmaker. All right. I really like Odd Shark, but they didn't pop up. So bookmaker it is. I've never been to this website. Not a bad website. So main event, Kamar Usman is a favorite of a minus 349 of a Damian Maia kickback at 271. I mean, that's that that's closer than I thought. If I'm being honest with you, I thought Kamar would be a little higher. They're giving Damian a lot of respect. There's some money to be made if you really want to go Maya. I, I, I don't think this is a complete lock only because Camaro was fighting a striker in Ponsonibio. So I'm sure he's been working a lot of wrestling and a lot of grappling. I think if he and that's his game. So I'd be really surprised if he does that with Damien because Damien's just on another level at times. But I got to think Damien's his his his. Uh, his confidence might be shot with these with these two losses to uh, very similar fighters in Kamar Usman. Kamar Usman's a wrestler grappler, so is Colby, so is Tyron. Tyron has the most power. Colby, I think, maybe is the most quick. I think Colby Covington can be at 55. Speaking of Colby Covington, the guy's a fucking dork. Talked his way into a title fight, which is fine. Seen it happen a million times. But at the press conference they did where they're announcing all these fights like a month or two ago, Kamar Usman called him out on mic right in front of everybody and like bodied him. Like Colby Covington just kept saying the same thing, like get line junior or whatever. That dude is so corny. Like you obviously those tweets he sends out are so bad. They're unoriginal and they take him like two weeks to write. Then he's like Instagramming himself with like two chicks or something like that. It's like, I get it. You're playing up the bad guy angle. You want your title shot. You want to make some money, but like, it's kind of like the Chael Sonnen. That's what Chael did, right? But Chael Sonnen did it with some plum and some coolness and swag, and this guy's just so corny. Not everyone can do it. Connor's never had to do it. That's just Connor's personality. Connor is a brash young guy who's very confident. Colby Covington might be very confident, but he's not as creative and funny and quick as Connor is, so it comes off flat. But Kamar Usman, I'm sure they're going to fight one day, but round one at that press conference goes to Kamar Usman for sure. So I'm looking at this card here. I'm, I, you know, I'm not blown away, but I'm not, you know, Dominic Reyes or Stan Cantonier, uh, interesting stand-up fight for those guys at 205. Uh, Cantonier has never really blown me away. He's got good power. Dominic Reyes has really great power. The there is no line. This site stinks. There's only they only have one line, so I can't find the odds. So. If you have the odds, go ahead and email them, email them to me. I'll, I'll post them after after the podcast is up. I make myself laugh. Um, so no odds. I'm basing it off of just you know who I like real quick. I'm not going to go over the whole card because it's a little little light in the ass for me. Dominic Reyes, I like him against Kentonier. I'm sure he'll be the favorite. Uh, Vince Luik versus Chad Priest. I think that's a very interesting fight. Vizante, Vizente. I picked against him twice, and he has shut me up by finishing the guys I picked against him. So uh, I'm going to go Vicente on that. Brandon Moreno versus Alejandre Pajeo. 
Alejandro was the number one pick, number one overall seed in the um, the Ultimate Fighter tournament that Moreno was the last seed in, and currently Moreno is higher ranked than uh, Alejandro. So that's a fight to look. That'd be interesting. That's going to go to a decision though. So, yeah. So that's about it. So just, it's the, the this Saturday is about the main event, really. It, I mean, that's what it is. Um, so yeah, go Kamar Usman. You're, you're going to quickly because if you win in dominating fashion, if you do what Tyron and Colby couldn't do and finish Damian Maya and look really good doing it, then you're going to become one of my guys. And that, you know, I'm going to send you a shirt. It's going to call, it's going to say, I don't know what it's going to say yet. I literally almost wanted to say something, but I didn't want to put my foot in my mouth and actually have to make a shitty t-shirt that I thought a whole two seconds on. So that's it. So we got a hot take coming up and we got top five. Now we're going 36 minutes here. We're going a little bit longer because I, I'm, I'm having another podcast out this week. Austin came over this weekend and we did one and um, I was going to split it up and I was going to do certain things, but I decided to not do that obviously. And then, so this one's going to run a little longer. My hot take of the week is Ryan Bader. Darth Vader will win the heavyweight tournament. He'll steamroll Matt Mitrione. He'll probably steamroll Fedor. He'll fight Fedor, fight Fedor uh, for the for the actual heavyweight belt, and he'll become a two division champion. Let that sink in for a second. Ryan Darth Vader, two division champion, crazy. Nothing against Vader. I I have nothing but respect for him as a fighter. I think he's mildly talented. I've spoke to him, I spoke about him earlier in the podcast, but. It's kind of weird when you think of, you know, Dan Henderson, Conor McGregor, these guys that hold two belts at once, and then we're going to have to throw Ryan Bader's name in there. That's a little shocking to me, but it's going to happen. I just said it was. So we'll end the show with a top five. This isn't really going to be like top five, like the best I ever thought. And it's going to be top five corner stoppages. It doesn't happen a lot in MMA. But I was so worked up about the Raquel thing that I think this is important that I talk about the other reasons why these top five ones should have happened, right? So number five, we have Nate Marquardt versus Kelvin Gaslam. This was one that someone tweeted out and said, this is what a real corner is like. And Trevor Whitman is a great corner man. However, comparing Raquel Pennington to an aging Nate Marquardt who took a lot of abuse in that second round against Kelvin to say that they're on the same level and that's Every, and case by case should be the same. It's it's so very false. But this was a stoppage that I thought needed to happen. Kel, or Nate muttered something to Travis, and Travis waved his hands off and said, my fighter's done. He doesn't have it. I don't want to see him get hurt. That's great. But that's a different kind of fighter than Raquel, right? But that was a corner stoppage that I, I have no problem with. I don't have problems with corner stoppages. I have problems with people commenting on them. But that was the one that came to mind. Uh, the other one that hits me hits me in the heart because I'm a BJ Penn uh, ride or die. BJ Penn versus GSP. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it is what it was. He took a beating. I mean, he did. He, he, he took a mauling. Body shots and kicks and punches. BJ wasn't too... Uh, I don't think he ever really came out and said it was like, you know, he was upset about the stoppage, but that needed to happen. That was a, a example of something that should have, could have, would have happened. And it did. Number three, Nate Diaz versus Josh Thompson. This one's a little controversial. Josh Thompson landed a huge Nate head kick on Nate, rocked Nate really bad, was trying to finish. The ref came in and stopped it. And as the ref did that, Nate, uh, Nick, his brother was in the corner and threw in the towel. 
as big as guys as Nick and Nate are about, you know, they're so tough and they go in there and they don't quit no matter what. I don't really think they're guys that are like very prideful about throwing in the towel. They openly talk about how I could get knocked out. Like who says I can't get knocked out? I can get knocked out of this next fight. So that was kind of a weird one. You had your brother in your corner and uh, obviously your brother is going to have the best interest for you. And he sees you getting hit like that. Again, that it's not talked about enough. I don't know how they felt about it. I don't know. You know, I felt obviously fine with it because the ref was stopping anyway. It was a good ref stoppage. Uh, Nick or Nate, I don't think I ever really commented too much on it. I think a little bit, but not too enough that I could remember. Number two, this one's just kind of sad because I was a big Chris Lieben guy. Chris Lieben was one of the guys I really rooted for in season one. He was very entertaining. I think I even quote some of his stuff today that he would say on that. Um, it was his retirement fight against Uriah Hall. He just went to the corner and said, I'll have it. I'm done. I, I'm done. And it was very similar to Raquel when she said, uh, I'm done. And the corner talked her out of it. His corner kind of just wanted to make sure they knew he was saying, and, and, he, and he really retired mid-fight. I mean, he just, just knew he didn't have it anymore. Again, Raquel Pennington isn't far off, far long enough in a career to be a Chris Lehman where it's like, you, you should do that. And again, coaching styles are different. Chris had a lot of shit going on in his life, had a lot of things. You know, he had some drug problems, he had some steroid problems, some lady problems, whatever the case may be. Raquel Pennington doesn't seem to have those problems. I mean, she was out for a while, but um, but that was a sad one to see. And number one, I mean, this is not MMA, but the number one stoppage of all time was Joe Frazier versus Ali. Eddie Fudge was in Joe Frazier's corner, longtime trainer of Joe Frazier. Round 14, 15, I don't remember exactly what round Fudge said I'm stopping it, and Joe Frazier didn't talk to him for the rest of his life. Eddie died before Joe did, and uh, Joe did an interview. Um, I, what documentary was that? I think it was the Ali Frazier documentary HBO did, and he said that was the biggest mistake of his life is not talk to Eddie because he was so mad and, and he was so upset that they stopped it. Not every fighter thinks that way. Not every fighter um, wants to doesn't want their corner to throw it in, but Eddie obviously loved Joe and, and said, what's the point? You, you're down so many points, and it's it was such a brutal fight that I don't want to see you go out there anymore, and uh, it, it severed a relationship. So hopefully Raquel and her corner are not on the same, you know, hopefully from them not stopping it, she's upset with them. I really like to hear her, hear her talk on this. I don't want to speculate anymore. I'm exhausted talking about it. I'm sure you're tired of hearing me say the name Raquel this entire podcast. But that's it. Episode 19. Bada bang, bada boom. Um, little update. So this week, a little credential update. I want to end with this. So uh, a couple of podcasts ago, I said I applied for credentials for the UFC. I got accepted into the press portal, which means I can apply directly to um, events. Um, certain events, obviously, you have to apply for every single event. And so I applied for the Utica card which is June 1st, which I can't even go anyway because I'm going to be on vacation. But I applied whatever to see to see if I could get in, right? And um, I didn't get any. So here's here's the, the question of the day, right? So I saw on the press portal that they were going to send out the credentials to the people by May 7th, which is a week ago today. I did not get an email at all saying I got denied, saying I can come, saying whatever. So is it worse not to hear back or is it worse to get a rejection letter? Because technically I could show up and be like, well, I never got an email saying I can't come. I applied. 
I could be one of those assholes. I'm not gonna, but I could be. So the media credential thing, it's still put on hold, still need to be discussed, and uh, I'm going to apply for every event until I get in. I'll tell you that right now. But I uh, I don't know if I mentioned this. Maybe I did. My brain is not working today. I had Austin over this weekend. We had another great podcast. We ran. We talked for like an hour. We could have talked for like six hours. That's going to come out later this week. So I'm putting this one out. You'll be, you'll be listening to this in your beautiful ears on a Tuesday. And then I will put out Austin's on Thursday. I'm thinking about breaking it up. I'm thinking about doing 30 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't know. I, I got to listen to it because we kind of talked about everything and everything. So uh, and him and I could just ramble on and on all fucking night long. I mean, we, we uh, you'll, you'll listen to it. But that's the show. I will see you early, not later this week. But that's already recorded. So then we'll talk about uh, Santiago Chile next week. And then uh, I'll just be talking about Darren Till next week as well. All right. Ah, nuts. The podcast is over. But that's all right, because you can hit the subscribe button and get a notification every time I post a new podcast. And while you're over there, you can rate and review us as well. If you need more content, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MMA Takes. And don't forget to go to MMATakes.com for all your MMA needs.